I take a different approach from it. You're not picking or finding your niche. Your niche will speak to you. Your niche will appear in front of you. You know, discovering your profitable, this is the important part, by the way. I always say profitable niche. I don't just say niche. You know, it needs to be profitable. Well, there's a big difference there. Yeah, think about it. You know, we're, we're not running a hobby here, right? We're running a business. So. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Society Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Hins, and I'm thrilled that you are joining us today. Our community here at the Entrepreneur Society is all about growth, learning, and pushing boundaries. And today's episode fits right into that mission. We all know that niching down is a crucial step for success in any business, but here's the thing, making a mistake during this process can be quite costly. That's why I've invited Maiko Sakai to join us today. She's going to share some fantastic insights about the biggest mistakes that people make when they're niching down, and most importantly, how to avoid them. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just starting out in your business journey, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. Maiko's expertise and actionable tips will help you navigate the treacherous waters of niche selection with confidence. So keep those ears perked up and get ready to take notes. We're about to embark on a wonderful learning adventure together. Maiko, I am so excited to have you here today. Oh my gosh, I am so pumped. Now, you and I mm-hmm. met on Twitter. And Correct. this is one of those relationships that you meet somebody virtually on a social media platform, but you never really get to see them in person. So this is the first time that you and I are having a conversation right. face-to-face, virtually face-to-face. And no so interruptions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I am so excited to have you here because you are going to be sharing some really good information with everybody today. And I just appreciate you taking the time to, to join me. Oh, this my is pleasure. Great. When I first met you on Twitter, I believe it was in a uh, a chat or something along those lines, mm-hmm. and your whole vibe was about niching down and yeah. why that was so important. And you actually have a test that you can take on your website yep, to find great. out like where you fit. But first of all, let's talk about how did you first decide that niching down was important? What what got you on this journey? Right. So it was a, kind of like happened accidentally. Um, I had an opportunity to present in front of a bunch of winners. Um, it was a, there was a startup competition at WeWork, oh. you know, organization. And uh, um my job was to present something that would be useful for them. You know, the startup environment is a little bit different from, you know, like a service business owner environment. But I figured, you know what, um, let's talk about positioning without really talking about positioning. So the framework itself is still the same. 
it's just a three circle Venn diagram. I'm not going to, you know, get into all that nitty gritty of it, but very simple framework. And the feedback that I got from that was really good. So back then I thought, you know what? To me, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I was just trying to look for something that could be useful for them. Right. And, but then I realized, you know, maybe I really need to, focus on this and make sure that the people can get the concept right. So that's how I started. That's interesting. Now, I know when I first started in my business Mm -hmm. a long time ago, if someone had told me that I need to niche down, Mm -hmm. that would have scared me because in my Mm -hmm. mind, that would mean that I'm leaving money on the table, that I'm not talking to everybody and and my product or my service mm-hmm. was able to help a lot of people not just one right. particular person but what exactly is niching down because you actually enlightened me about what niching down was mm-hmm. even yeah. after that point so what is niching down yeah so basically you know, a lot of people use this um expression finding a niche or you know picking a niche i take a different approach from it you're not picking or finding your niche your niche will speak to you your niche will appear in front of you you know discovering your profitable this is the important part by the way i always say profitable niche i don't just say niche you know, mm. it needs to be profitable. Oh, there's a big difference there. Yeah, think <laughs> about it. You know, we're, we're not running a hobby here, right? We're running a business. So mm. it needs to be profitable. It's a byproduct of you experimenting your business. It's okay to have some bad client experiences, right? You need to, you can read about it all you want, but unless you really go through with the real life experience, it's harder for you to really determine what works for you and what doesn't work for you. You know, maybe a couple of clients weren't that bad, but the setup or the premise or the, uh, uh, you know, the context, you know, of the working arrangement, maybe that wasn't mm. ideal. You know, maybe you like the clients, you just didn't like what you're doing for them. There's mm. so many things you get to learn from that. While you're going through all those experiences, you get to see what your profitable niche might be. But it doesn't end there, right? You get to have that hypothesis, but then you're going to have to test it and see if there's a demand Again, it needs to be a profitable niche. So if I'm understanding you correctly, and and please let me know if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. niching down isn't just finding that ideal person. It's right. also about what what you love to do. And of course. if if because I know, let's face it, right? We probably mm-hmm. all have taken on a job and right. Even when we sent the proposal, we were just like, I really don't want to do this. Right. There's a red flag or something <laughs> inkling in the background. And, you know, right. And, right. and sometimes you do it for money, right? It's just that, you know, I, I, I love non-sugar-coated conversations. And I want this to be another one of those things, you know. Absolutely. Let, let's face it. Sometimes we do it for the money. and Or right. like, you know, the, for the sake of a cash flow. And... But the end result is always the same, right? We regret it because right. it took so long 
or it took so long to get paid, or <laughs> it took up so much time that you couldn't really, like you might have missed an opportunity because of it. At the end, we learned the same lesson. But the thing is, like you want to have your own experience going through with that. You know, you can, again, you can read all about other people's experiences, but you want to feel it. You want to be present with those experiences. Bad experiences are not actually bad. And well, you're right. You're absolutely right. But see, I didn't look at things like that. Mm -hmm. I always looked at it as being a person. So it's really cool and almost refreshing to hear that niching down doesn't have to be necessarily a person, but it can be your product product or your service or the way that you're doing business can yep. look differently. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. That's so, I mean, isn't that like this? Oh, like it's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay. So let's talk about some of the biggest mistakes that you see because you've been working with clients for a long time mm-hmm. on niching down. In fact, you talk about, um, Nishing down in your business doesn't have to be limiting or boring. No. And I, I really believe we think that we feel that a lot Mm -hmm. of us do. Yeah. So let's talk about some mistakes so that we don't feel so limited and boring. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah. no, totally. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, dealing with those concerns and fears is definitely a big part of it. So, you know, as some people might say running a business is all about 90% mindset and 10% strategy. Some people say 80-20 based on 80-20 rule, that sort of stuff. But it doesn't matter 80% or 90%, it's up there, right? So that's part of the mistake as well, you know? And the first mistake is definitely this a lack of understanding, you know, what it is to really define your profitable niche. And we touched on that a little bit, right? And we sort of debunked the, the myth of it needs to be, you know, the uh, sort of like an ICA based, right? Ideal customer avatar based it doesn't really have to be and you know if i can touch on the framework itself i i can make it very quickly that you know there will be three circles right two circles on top and one circle at the bottom that's called the venn diagram and there's the in the middle there's the overlapping part that's what you wanted to tap into you know i don't have anything to present in terms of visual but i'm sure you can visualize that quickly right right so the top two circles to the left, it's all about your experience and your expertise. But when I say experience, I don't talk about your work experience or your skill set. It's the experience you bring into the table. You know, if you work with your client, how does that person feel mm. when that person's working with you? So that's the experience that I talk about. And of course, expertise, you know, what you are great at or what you love doing. So that's part of that, right? The next circle to the right would be the one that's the market. You know, obviously you're not selling to yourself. You have to sell to someone else and there has to be a market. How do you define it, right? Right. And at the bottom is the delivery circle. That's all the how is housed. How do you price it, right? How do you deliver it? What's the duration of time? You know, is it via audio, remotely, in person, all those hows? A house at the bottom. The problem is that everybody wants to go to that third circle first, 
<laughs> how am I going to package this? How am I going to price it? You know, how long should I continue? And they get into this whole decision fatigue, right? Mm. And analysis paralysis, you know, that's the area. You're not supposed to go there first. That third circle should show up sort of naturally if you work on the first two circles. What are you good at? You know, what kind of experience is that excitement or calmness or reliability? What kind of experience are you bringing to the table? You really need to spend some time figuring that out, right? right. Then who would appreciate that the most? So that's when the quiz actually comes in. Right. And that's why I created it only because people look at niching down to be something completely different. And I really wanted people to see you can slice the market differently based on what you're great at, you know, sort of like a matchmaking, right? Yeah. And there are yeah. only 11 questions and like, it doesn't take more than two minutes, seriously. Um, that that's, but that's more like an assessment quiz. It's not like a, you know, BuzzFeed, uh, right. fun, fun quiz. <laughs> right. but you will definitely take something out of it and you'll save a lot of time by just taking that so that you don't have to sit around with those three circles, you know, racking your brains out. Like you don't really need to do that. Right. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, I was like, you know what, I was so guilty of that <laughs> in the earlier years of thinking, okay, first let me create this product. And in mind, it was a service and different yeah. packages. And you're right. Yeah. I absolutely started with the how at the bottom. And I believe it came from lack of confidence. Sure. Of, of why I started that. there. Right. And mm -hmm. then once I realized the top, which I didn't realize I had the top two until I realized I had the top two. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. And then, then I think I just naturally reversed it but you're right i i really i was doing that and i yeah. i was definitely doing that starting with the how yeah the very if you visually see that venn diagram you go oh okay you know maybe yeah. you had a hunch or like a gut feelings about this but the, when it gets all laid <coughs> out visually that just looks so different you get to just yes. see it and you go oh my god this is what i was missing so exactly. And I think so many times, especially as a business owner, and if we're solopreneurs, if we're the only person in our business managing mm -hmm. it, we don't have a team to bring ideas to, to help yeah. us brainstorm, we're trying to figure it out on our own. We miss these big aha moments That's that right. you're sharing right now. Mm -hmm. and, and thank you. This is such a great point, you know, to have that diagram and just start at the top and then the bottom will come naturally. Exactly. It's an easier way to go about it. Seriously. It's liberating. Mm -hmm. I mean, just even that one, I know we're going to be talking about a couple other a bunch more, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, even just that one, it's like, yeah. okay, yes, that's step one that I could be doing differently. What's another mistake that you see? Well, allowing this confirmation bias to creep up, you know, we do have a lot of biases and uh, it's okay. It's okay. That's normal, right? We're yeah. all humans and it's okay for us to have biases. But when we don't really have any awareness of the existence of, you know, those biases, you're making decisions just based on your feelings or emotions or hunch or gut feelings. Well, some people are very good at it. 
I'm not one of those, I have to be honest with you. Like sometimes my hunches can be completely wrong. And the confirmation bias is where, you know, we want to believe what we want to believe. And right. that's so hard to fight, right? So if you start from the bottom circle, going back to the framework, you know, we start from a how, and then you come up, come up with a package, for example, you know, how long that's going to last, how much it's going to cost, and what is involved with it. How do you deliver it, right? How quickly are you going to deliver it? If you start from there, you kind of wanted to believe that will work for your business and for you as well, right? right. That's confirmation right. bias. You kind of have the next step when you are experimenting. So you, you know, you uh, very analytical people are good with this part. But yeah, most okay. of us entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, that's not their strong suit, you know? Um, yeah. So taking emotions and feelings out of the equation is not an easy thing to do, but it's required. You have to set aside those things. Look at whatever you create it as a hypothesis. You're going right. to test it without investing your emotional you know like thoughts and feelings into it if it doesn't work you're gonna have to be able to just drop it and redirect so when you say through the experimenting what is that experimenting you're talking about so that's the normal validation process right mm -hmm. ultimately speaking i can you know get to the point very quickly do you find anybody who's willing to pay for it not just the, you know, the lip service, you know, oh yeah, no, that sounds great. I will definitely go for that is not a confirmation <laughs> right, right away. Right, you know? right, um, right. Because everybody will tell you, yeah, sure. But will they reach out to their person pay for it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But right. are you ready to put your credit card down? Are you ready to make that payment? That's the ultimately, you know, that that's the experiment, you know, um, well, I should say that's the kind of result that you're looking for from your experiment. So sometimes, you know, um, it's a tried it, you know, tested method of doing uh, training or free workshop, right. you know, that's a, that's a good one to do, or you get to do one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like you can call up a, a few, you know, past clients or prospects or whatnot and see if they will be willing to get on the call with you, you know? It yeah. doesn't have to be so complicated. Like you don't need to create this crazy, you know, rabbit hole looking funnel to find out whether or not they're going to pay. If right. you are gravitated towards something like that, you really have to question your confidence because you might be trying to hide, you know, you know, behind right. that. I don't know, crafty funnel that you're building up. You know, it doesn't have to be just pick up the phone and talk to someone, you know, would that person be willing to pay for it or not? It can be that simple. That's such a great tip. I know I went through a rebrand in mm -hmm. the beginning of this year, soon to be last year. Mm -hmm. And something that I did differently with that rebrand is I did pick up the phone and not only did I call some of my current, I, in fact, have called very few of my current. Mm -hmm. I called people that I knew that who were what I believe my ideal right. audience, right? The, the clients I wanted. Yeah. And asked them just like three questions about what they needed. 
Yeah. And, you know, what was it worth to them and mm-hmm. what would make them make that decision? And the information I got back was so valuable. I, I was like, why didn't I, I do bet. this a long time ago? It's just everybody's willing it. to tell you. If yep. you ask them, they will tell you exactly yep. no, where totally. they are and what they want. <laughs> I, I'm actually doing something similar right now. It's not for my rebranding or anything. I'm just purely doing some research. And yeah. really, like, if you spend enough time coming up with the right types of questions, you know, the questions that are not leading, you know, questions that are open-ending questions, yes. they are more, you know, open to share mm-hmm. their thoughts with you and the insights you get, just as you said, it's so invaluable. Like, why would you run a survey? You know, now you're hiding behind the survey. You need to really right. ask yourself a question why you're doing that, right? You're not right. feeling strong about this. You know, you're worried that you're going to get some kind of a negative feedback. There's no such thing as positive versus negative feedback. It's just the no. feedback. You decide, you know, as a CEO of your company, which feedback to take up on because their journeys are different. Their situations are different. Their beliefs are different. Right. And you have to digest it in a way that would work for you. And what I learned through that, just to kind of add to what you're saying, mm-hmm. is if you send out a survey, which they have their purpose in their own way. Sure. There's a place really, for that. If you really want to uncover mm-hmm. your business and your niche or, or you know, what yep. do your clients want and, mm-hmm. and identify that niche a little bit yep. more clear, calling them, a lot of times the first thing they say is not the truth. It's not that they're intentionally lying. It's that they don't realize that there's really something deeper below that. And yeah, as you ask questions, not guiding, but just ask yeah. them to explain it. They even have like this moment. Where they're like, you're right. So true. No, so true. It's about like, um, I don't know who said it, but you need to ask why seven times or something, right? To peel off those layers after layers. And they're not, you're right, they're not intentionally hiding anything. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, um, they're accustomed to answer certain questions in a certain way, and they don't even think twice about it. But, you know, it's your job to unearth all of it to say, right, how did you come up with that answer? You know, what made you to feel that way? Right. They're going to think a little bit more on it and they'll tell you what you're looking for. So you're right that just asking those like surface level questions, mm-hmm. you know, would you recommend my business to someone else? I'm like, God, please don't ask that question. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a kind of thing. Like, unless you're, you know, running this multi, you know, million, billion dollar SaaS, you know, product or something. Yeah, no, there's a place for surveying for sure. Right. But for solopreneurs to small size entrepreneurs, you know, service based entrepreneurs, that's not the best method. I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree. What's another mistake that you see? I would say that, you know, it requires a high level of a commitment in order for you to really find your profitable niche that's been always in front of you, actually. Like I said, it's not about picking 
or finding. Because some people like, some people talk about niching down as if, you know, you're walking down this uh, cereal aisle at a grocery store and they decided <laughs> to pick one off the shelf. You right. know? And some people even say like, are you in the fitness niche or are you in the business niche? I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? Those are not niches. Those are sectors in each of them are trillion dollar sectors. That's not a niche whatsoever. Right. So uh, yep, I get that question too. A lot, <laughs> a lot right? <laughs> yeah. You're not just, I don't know, like a Russian roulette to see like which one's going to show up. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> okay, beauty niche. I'm like, beauty sector is truly an age range from, you know, 13 to God knows 86. I don't know. But it's, you know, it's crazy. Like, that's not a niche. That's a sector. That's, a, that's yeah. an industry. But anyway, the, the whole point of the this tip is not to really think that it's going to be like set it and forget it or pick one and stick to it. That's not the way it goes. So you do have to be committed, you know, especially when the going gets tough. You know, you're not really finding enough evidence to support it or you're still experimenting. It's not an easy process. And also it's not a linear process. So sometimes you may take two steps forward and you're thinking, ah, you know, I'm getting closer. Then there might be a setback that you may have to take a step back. Or you may take a step forward, but you have to take two steps back. It's just not a linear process. You have to be patient and you need to be able to commit to it. Once you make a decision, you just have to see through that entire process. How long does that process typically take? Is there a set amount of time? You know, it could be as short as a couple of weeks and it could be as long as, you know, 13 months, for example. Like like I said, the the validation process doesn't have to be that complicated, right? So it really depends on how intense like like how much of an intensity you wanted to put in that process if you really wanted to discover and you're say like you know uh, setting a goal of speaking to at least 30 people over two weeks time or something like that that may not get you the answer that you're looking for but that'll probably get you to two-thirds of the process understanding what kind of voices that you're hearing from those people right at least that activity, you know, that business activity alone will clarify what the next step can be. So it really varies, but you can intensify and shorten the time period if you want to. Okay. All right. So it needs commitment too. <laughs> what about yeah. the, or what? I'm four, I think, right? <laughs> Something five. like that. <laughs> We're getting to, yeah, we covered a lot of things, but, yeah. uh, you know, another thing that I would bring up, you know, the biggest mistake is not having um, any systems in place, but what oh, is systems? Yes. preach, preach. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about like the tech stack or something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about tools per se, but for yeah. example, you know, you do have to have a support system. Okay. Right? Okay. Then I misunderstood. I was thinking of, like automation, get yeah, things the, the, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, that's down okay. the road. Yeah, that's down the road. Once you 
discover what your profitable niche is, then of course, those things will come up. But we're kind of talking about how to go about this process of spotting, discovering, unearthing your profitable niche. So that I'm not going to touch on it, but having a support system, again, you know, when the going gets tough, when you feel like you hit the wall, you know, who do you speak to? You know, Mm -hmm. someone who's done it before, you know, um, or someone who might be a couple steps ahead of you, you know, someone you can trust, you know, aiming for something similar. That is really, really important so that you don't have to feel like you're the only one doing this. You know, that's hardly the case. That is not the case. But a lot of people, you know, the business owners feel alone when they are going through with that process, especially during the messy middle, you know, so-called messy middle. In the middle of any process, sometimes nothing happens for days. Right. Or, yeah, it feels like you're not making progress and it feels like you should have been further along, you know, whatever you're thinking or feeling, that's when a lot of people give up, right? So they don't see the end of it. And that kind of support system, you know, the mental support system comes in really, really handy. The, another system that I wanted to talk about is the tracking system. That is more like a, you know, on the tech side of things, you know, right. you do want to measure things. You want to track things. You want to get data out of things. So don't be afraid of those things. Like I know some, you know, uh, especially creative business owners or creative entrepreneurs, they say, you know, they don't like numbers. They don't like looking at them, you know, all those things, but numbers tell stories and that's the end of it you know yeah there's no ifs and buts about it you need to learn to love it and you can you can it's not that hard right so that is something that you wanted to focus on so it's not about just a hunch or gut feeling so what's trending right now it's more about the data that you gather, you know, yay or nay, you know, some people said, oh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a nice to have, you know, what's the degree of it, you know, how imminent is it that you're offering, right? You know, how painful is it for them to solve? How bad do they want it? Some things are, are kind of like qualitative things, right? But some qualitative things can be quantified. So don't give up there and see if you can convert what you're gathering into some type of data. What type of data do you look at when it comes to identifying your niche? Right. So there's no like a one formula to this. You know, as you recall, we talked about the validation process, right? The whole purpose of validation processes, are they willing to pay for this? Or are they just saying that to be nice to you, right? Right. If you figure out a way to get to the bottom of it, would you be willing to pay for it? Because that line alone can scare the diseases out of a lot of people. I know that, right? That You don't want to talk about it. But you kind of have to. You can rephrase it any way you want, you know. But the gist of it is that when do you want to get started, right? Would you be willing to, you know, um, put a deposit down or some kind of, you know, like a, a sign to show that we're moving forward? Once you right. get to it, that number 
depending on a sample size that you choose, whether you're speaking to 15 people or seven people or 56 people, bigger, the better, of course, just to even out all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, variables that we can even predict, you know, the bigger, the better, but you can tally that up. That's like the simplest data you can get, <laughs> right? It's not that scientific, you know, you don't need any mathematical skills to figure that out. It's actually right. pretty easy. So you can look at just your prospects versus how many actually move forward. And right. I, I suppose you can even look at your prior clients, mm -hmm. the profitable ones, Yeah. right? Identify the profitable ones that, that you have worked with and looked at characteristics of not just the person, but the, the entire structure right. of that job. Yep. And identify things that were similar. That, so many, yeah. like organizational sizes, right? Right, right. Or whether that was, uh, you know, uh, the nonprofit versus for profit. Right. You know, were they globally located or, you know, purely based in where you're based in? Or, mm -hmm. you know, the, or the sectors and the industries. But the, it, a lot of times people only focus on those things. But you can have all those filters and see where you land. And sometimes it could be sector driven. That's okay if it turns out to be that way. You just don't want to assume that's the case, mm. right? That's the key right there, yeah. <laughs> right, I, I guess, like for example, here's an example. Some people are great working with family owned businesses, like going for generations. Right. And some people absolutely avoid that setup because the family mm -hmm. situations, right? You know, the good right? yeah, yeah, it's different. It's, it's a different it, piece. <laughs> right, exactly. But if you think about that, that's not a sector, right? right. It's, it's a setup. Mm. So there are many things that you can look at. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. And this yes. is about you. Okay. So. <laughs> Ooh. So, I know, right? <laughs> what would you say is one habit that you have that's helped you become so successful? Well, first, let's define success. Okay. So let's do the two for the you know, answering yeah. thing that I'm that's going a, to That's a great point. For. Success yeah. is different for everybody. Right. To me, you know, I want to feel fulfilled and mm -hmm. content through my work. So that's the definition of it. So am I using my skill set or, you know, the, what I'm great at, including right. experience that I bring in? Because I'm not, you know, everybody's cup of tea, to be honest. You know, I'm keenly yeah. aware of it. I can't imagine that, Michael. I, I, uh, <laughs> right. So, you know, like it's through that unique package that I have, you know, as a business owner, yes. you know, uh, am I being helpful? You know, am I serving, you know, um, am I helping them to deliver the kind of results that they are looking for? So that's the definition of success. If I get to achieve that, I call that a success. You know, I'm not running a billion dollar company, let's just say, right. Um, but that's not really my definition of success. It could be for someone's you know, definition of yeah. success, and that's yeah. totally fine. There's nothing against it. Like you can put a dollar amount on it. I'm not against it, you know. But I just want to feel fulfilled. You know, I wanted to right. feel rewarded. You know, I want them to feel rewarded, right? So now that's out of the way. 
I would think that uh, only one thing, right? If I am to pick one well, thing, the, you can name a couple, but what's the biggest thing? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think I think my strong suit would be to my ability to look at things differently. You know, I I consider myself so I have two different quizzes. One quiz is the assessment, like a niche assessment quiz, and we talked a lot about that already. Right. But there's another one. It's more about the personality as an entrepreneur um, quiz, and using my own quiz my archetype is acquired taste. So there are four different archetypes, acquired taste, community builder, crowd pleaser, and my way all the way. Okay. <laughs> and I'm acquired taste. And that means I'm not for everyone. Right. But I'm so, you know, I am the one for someone. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, the crowd of pleasers, they're naturally great at solving universal problems. You know, for example, you know, they, uh, you know, how do you stop your dog, you know, the pets, you know, from chewing furniture or whatever that might be? You know, I'm, I like to be specialized. So I'm not universally appealing all that much. Right. But the, the good part of that particular archetype is, for us to be able to look at things in different ways, package in different ways, explaining in different ways, and using different analogies and other things to make people understand, you know, sometimes difficult concepts. So I, I mm. leverage on that. I, I leverage on that. I don't shy away from it. I'm not apologetic for it. Um, Ooh, I like the that fact right that it's there. Not for, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I put it up front. Like, this is how I look at it. This is how I describe it. Here are some examples and analogies. Do you like them? If you don't like them, that's no problem. Right. Right. And I think that's so important to really understand who you are, how you're wired, mm -hmm. because then you can, you can pull from those strengths and not allow yeah. it to limit you. Because sometimes our strengths, when we don't realize what that is, they actually get in our way because True. we get in our way. But when you identify right. it, there's now you can look at things a lot differently. I love that. And I need to take that quiz because <laughs> I'm so curious now. Yeah, which I'm type you are. Yeah, yeah I, I need to take it. I'm going to be taking it today. Yeah, so no, that would be I'll great. There in the notes, what I am with everybody. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I wanted to know what, what you are. And, you know, we all work together anyway. So those four archetypes, we can gel together. Another thing that I would say about it is that if you don't have the trait that you actually want, you can hire somebody with that trait. You know, that you don't have to be everything yes. and everyone. So, for example, you know, like... A, my way of explaining it is too, you know, specific and too targeted. I need a little bit more of a, you know, I need to soften it a little bit more. Then I would look for somebody whose archetype is crowd pleaser. 
right. and see how they would translate the same information. That would be different, right? So you can use that differently. Like you don't have to be, you know, everybody and and everything. And they sometimes crowd pleasers need to hire someone like myself to be a little bit more specific, right? Because they're right. so appealing. You know, I always use this analogy of they're like Coca-Cola, you know, no <laughs> one says, you know, well, some people may, but, you know, no one says they hate Coca-Cola or something like that, you know, yeah. um, acquired as an acquired taste. Like I don't really have that ability. Right. Right. That's a great point. A very good mm-hmm. point. Michael, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I'm so glad that we connected on Absolutely. Twitter. Yeah. I'm loving Twitter mainly because of you. I started on Twitter okay. and I got away when <laughs> Facebook and everything, right? Yep. Got real. Yeah, plenty. I, I've drifted mm-hmm. and now I've rediscovered it again. And yeah, the, I have a whole new group of people that I'm connecting with, you included, and you make yeah. it so much fun over there. So I'm so yeah. glad you, we, I'm we having trust fun. Yeah, the, the totally, it's, it's, a, it's a silly thing, right? A lot of people roll their eyes and a minute they hear about Twitter. I'm like, so your main platform is Twitter? I'm like, yeah, it's, I know it's kind of funny, but it works for me, you know? It's, yeah. It's so weird. If, if, for many, that's Instagram, right? You know, yes. uh, yeah, no, for whatever reason, it works for me. That, yeah, and keep doing it. Keep doing it for as long as you can over there because you do have a strong following. And I know you've made great friends over there as well. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And the people you want to meet in your life. (laughs) Yeah, actually, no, absolutely. Like we communicate over DM and like a true DM sense, you know, it's not like a LinkedIn kind of DM. So it's it's weird. It really depends on how you use it. Like you can definitely, you know, enjoy it. I agree. Thank you so much, Michael. For everybody who wants to find Michael, all of her information, the links to her website, and of course her Twitter account, they're in the show notes. So definitely reach out to her. She can help you find your niche and uncover how to grow your business, become more profitable just by getting laser focus. So, Michael, thank you again. I appreciate you. My pleasure. (laughs) We'll see everybody. (laughs) Bye.